Thank you, Caleb, and uh, thank you, Pastor Schott, and thank you, church members, and thank you, teens, for being here. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, Caleb asked me, it's been, uh, I guess it's been a few months ago, I forget now when it was, I think it was July, I think we talked about it, and I said, I'd love to come, I'd love to stay over on a Sunday, but I already, I had, I had missed a Sunday earlier this month, and I said, I better not, but I wish I could. I, this is such a beautiful area and a beautiful church, and uh, I love spending time with my sister. I love spending time with my niece. I love spending time with my nephews. I put up with the time with my brother-in-law, but, you know, you got to take the whole package, and, uh, and I love your pastor, Pastor Shot, and I, I want to publicly, I want to thank him and thank this church. I want to thank you for being so kind to my family, and especially after my dad went home to be with the Lord, and thank you for being so kind to my mom when she's here, and uh, we love this church, and we love you, and we're so happy for Caleb and Jen, and I'm excited to see how God's using them. I'm excited to see the youth group tonight, and I'm excited to get to see the adults. You adults have no idea, but you have helped us so much tonight just by getting in and being a part of the service and, you know, if I didn't know any better, I'd think everybody here was a teenager anyway, right? I mean, we all, we're all pretty young at heart. Now, that's why we're, we started a little earlier, though, because come about 9 or 10 o'clock tonight, everybody's going to be wiped out. That's why we're getting out early. But uh, I love being around young people. I got to be a youth pastor for several years after Bible college, and then uh, I, I, I've met some of you before. You may not remember me, but uh, my wife and I traveled with a group from Golden State Baptist College. We got to come here, and of course, we got to know Lance and Wilfred and some of the folks from this church. And so I got to work with teenagers. Then I got to work with college students, and now I get to work with everybody from our senior saints all the way down to the nursery, and I get to be a pastor, and it's a privilege to serve God, and it's a privilege to be here. I've been looking forward to it, and I've already just had the time of my life, and I enjoyed the games. Didn't you enjoy those games? Now, the thing I don't like, though, is some of those games, you got to, like, concentrate. You got to think, and you can't zone out, you know? And uh, for some of us, it was a good exercise for our brain. But uh, we'll have a good time together. Now, I'm from, uh, originally, I, my, my family's from Illinois, and that's where we uh, first met Pastor and Mrs. Schott uh, there in Rockford, Illinois, many years ago. And uh, then my, my parents, they moved from Rockford, to Geneseo, and that's where my dad pastored for 20 years, and we got to serve the Lord there for a while. And uh, then my wife and I, we moved to California. That's a big city, um, you know, a couple million people. And then about five years ago, we moved to rural North Carolina. Now, I'm not originally from the South, but can you hear it a little bit in my voice? I wondered. I don't, I don't hear it, but when I get around other people, they say, oh, yeah, we can hear it. But we are in the South, and we're not in the big city South. We're in the country. We're in the sticks South. Like you mentioned the Andy Griffith Show, we've got places in our town, I kid you not, they haven't changed since the Andy Griffith Show. And, and the people have lived there their whole lives, and their parents, and their grandparents, and their great-grandparents. And in our area, everybody's laid back, and almost everyone has a nickname. Now, we didn't have that in Illinois. I don't know if you have that in Connecticut. But for instance, I walked, went into the church, and here's some, here's some uh, business people. 
here's some middle-aged, here's some senior citizens. And I introduced myself. I said, my name is Jeremy Coburnett. And one man who's a faithful member of our church, he says, I'm Frog. And, I, you know, I kind of started chuckling. I'm thinking, your name's not Frog. I said, no, really. I said, what's your name? He said, Frog. <laughs> Nobody knows his real name, I mean, but he's Frog, and that's how he introduced himself. And we've got a frog in our church. I mean, the man's 72 years old. His name is Frog. We got a man in our church, his name is Lucky. His mother goes to our church, and Lucky is probably 65. And I asked his mom one day, I said, well, when did he start getting called Lucky? She said, from the day he was born, we've called him Lucky. And then we've got, let's see, we got Frog, we got Lucky, we got Boogie, Brother Boogie. I mean, and that's, nobody knows his real name. And I mean, if you saw these people out and about, I mean, these are, these are like people that look professional and they are professional, they're business people, but the South. But anyway, we have in the South, we are not, we're not sophisticated. How many of you, have, anybody here ever lived in the South? Anybody ever lived in the South? Okay, a few of you. So you can verify with some of these folks later. In the South, we're not sophisticated, but everybody, everybody's got a good heart. And that's what you say. If someone's not very smart, you say, bless their heart. Bless your heart. You know, somebody, somebody doesn't do a very good job, you say, well, bless his heart or bless her heart. That's what we say. We say, bless your heart. But we had in our area, and I'm saying this more for the teens. I just want our teens to know, I want you to know the level that I'm used to. We had in our city, we've got a little grocery store. It's called Food Line. I don't think you have them up here, but we've got them down south, Food Line. It's a chain grocery store. And um, we had, right before we got to town, someone told me about this, and I looked it up, and it's in the newspaper. It's awesome. We had a, a, a gentleman that came to visit the grocery store to buy groceries. And as he was buying groceries, he put his, pushed his cart up there, put his groceries on the belt. And uh, the, the cashier there at the register uh, of course, you know, just chit-chat and, you know, good to see you and have a good day. And he purchased. Now, this is for the teens. This is just to kind of help make sure we're all, we're thinking, okay? He purchased $150 worth of groceries. Now, some of you teens think that's a lot of groceries. And it is a lot of groceries. But when you got a family, I mean, you know, $150 goes quick when you're feeding a family and all that stuff. But $150 worth of groceries. So, so this man, he pulls out from his wallet he pulls out a $200 bill and hands it to the cashier. Now, because you know math, you know the answer to this question, right? $200 bill, $150 worth of groceries. Guess how much change she gave him? That would be the correct answer, but she did not know the correct answer. This young man said zero dollars. Why, why wouldn't you give any change? That's exactly right. There's no such thing as a $200 bill. Well, in Roanoke Rapids, we missed that history lesson. We missed that economics class. And so the cashier gives him $50 in change and says, have a nice day, and probably said, bless your heart. And they, they saved the bill. And they, they put it in the newspaper. It was awesome. The, the bill had a picture on the front of George W. Bush. On the back where it shows the White House, there were, there were yard signs in front of the White House. And one of them said, we love ice cream. And one said, we hate broccoli. And it was awesome. 
So I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, in Roanoke Rapids, we're country. We're not very smart, but we have a good time. And I'm gonna tell you a story tomorrow. I'm gonna tell you a story tomorrow about some of our food. I don't dare tell you tonight because I'm gonna lose all of you if we start talking about food tonight, but we do have some good food in the South. Would you take your Bibles if you have them? And I wanna show you a passage of scripture, two verses in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter nine and uh, this is just a, a, a message that I want to share. Uh, Pastor Caleb told me that it would pretty much be your teens and your people. And honestly, that's the way I like it. I think, I think if we're going to see God do a work at Harvest Baptist Church and with the teens, I think it's going to start right here in this room. And I think that God already is doing a work. I heard about some, uh, some things at camp, and I heard about all the, the things that God has done. But I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to continue to do with the teens and with the adults and with the, the membership of this church. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, in verse number 27, if you're there with me, we'll read two verses. It says in verse 27 of Hebrews 9, and as... It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Verse number 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. This youth rally, I'm, I'm thrilled about the theme. The youth rally is to finish your course. I love that theme. As a matter of fact, the verse that is the text is 2 Timothy 4, 7, where Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That is the verse and the only verse that is on my dad's grave marker. For Jen and I, our dad, that grave marker says 2 Timothy 4, 7. My wife's mother passed away from cancer in 2010. On her grave marker, there's one verse. The same one, 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Can I tell you, there is a course, and the word course, it's, it's the proceedings of life. It's the path that you choose in your life. That is your course. And if we're gonna finish our course, we gotta make sure we're on the right course. Can you imagine if you jumped on the interstate and I'd probably take you a little while to get to 95 from here. I don't know how far, but if you got on interstate 95, if you went south, you would come to Roanoke Rapids. We're just a little, little town right off of interstate 95. But can you imagine if you got on interstate 95 and could you imagine if you started driving south and then you got off on the wrong interstate and then the next thing you know, you're in the middle of Ohio. You, you've spent a lot of time, you've gone a long way, you've spent a lot of fuel, you've put forth a lot of energy, but if you get on the wrong course, if you get on the wrong path, you're gonna waste your time. Can you imagine how sad it would be in life to live, to go to work, to get up, to, 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 to go to school, to study, to do all these things. Can you imagine how sad it would be at the end of your life to realize I wasted my life. I wasn't even on the right course. I couldn't finish my course because I wasn't even on the right path. And I want to tell you, young people, and I want to tell you, adults, God has a plan for you. Amen. It's a perfect plan. It's a perfect course. It's a wonderful journey. It's, a, it's the greatest life that you could ever imagine. Amen. But we got to make sure 
we get on the right course. Lord, help us as we look at your word and as we look at Hebrews chapter 9. Lord, I pray that this, this passage of scripture would come alive. I pray that you challenge us and give us what we need. And I pray you bless each and every teenager. Lord, I've been so, so thrilled just to see their, their spirit, their participation. That what, a, what a sweet spirit here tonight. I thank you for the adults that have taken time out of their schedule on a Friday night to come and to be in church and to be uh, supportive, Lord, of the youth group and the teens. And Lord, I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd speak to our adults here tonight. I thank you for Pastor Schott and his wife, and I thank you for their faithfulness and, Lord, their commitment to you and, Lord, how you've blessed them and used them over the years here at this church. And I pray your continued blessing upon them and bless this ministry. Lord, I pray that this evening tonight would help all of us to be more determined than ever to finish our course. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for you to notice in this passage just a couple things quickly. Number one I see that there is an appointment. The Bible says, as it is appointed unto men once to die. That appointment that Hebrews 9 is talking about is not a pleasant appointment for most of us. Now, when you know the Lord as Savior, when you're going to heaven, when you're right with God, the Bible tells us that death has lost its sting and the grave has lost its victory. But if I were to ask tonight, if I were to say, how many of you are looking forward to dying? I don't think any of us would raise our hand. Uh, death is not the end for the Christian. Death is just the beginning of eternal life in heaven. But there is an appointment that every one of us have with death. I wish I could stand here tonight and say that your appointment will not come for many years. I wish I could tell our teens that. I had no idea that I'd get this phone call today, but I got a phone call today from uh, one of our good men in our church, and he called me today, and he said, Pastor, he said, I'm wondering if you could talk to my grandson. His grandson uh, has come to our church a few times. His grandson has been saved. I thank the Lord for that. His grandson's come off and on to our church over the years, but his grandson's off in college. He said, Pastor, he said, I just found out that my grandson attempted suicide. He said, it was a miracle. He said, God, God spared his life. But he said, he was getting ready to take his life. And he said, and his roommate, his college buddy came back and he wasn't supposed to be back for hours. But something prompted him to go back to the room and he, he stopped him and he said, and, and his life was spared. And he said, I'm so thankful. But he said, I just can't believe that my grandson, young man, a, a very, very sharp young man, very talented young man would, would want to end his life. Can I tell you, young people, life is so short, but life is also so valuable. And Satan would love for your life to end soon. Satan would love for something to, to distract you and something to take you away from the plan that God has for you. I want to tell you this. We all have an appointment with death. We do not know when that appointment will be. I mentioned earlier for, for Jen and I, for our dad, we had no idea when his appointment would be. He'd been pastoring the same church for 20 years. He'd been a Christian school teacher for 20 years. We had no warning. Uh, we had, no, we had no, uh, no clue that there was anything wrong. We had no idea that a massive heart attack was coming. But can I tell you, we all have an appointment with death. My family, we, were, uh, we moved from Rockford, Pastor Shot. We moved in 1995, 1996 to the Quad Cities. And that's where my dad was for 20 years in Geneseo, Illinois. 
we moved to Geneseo and I had to switch schools. Now, young people, I want to tell you something. You think school's bad. Just be glad you don't have to switch schools in the middle of your junior year. That is not fun. And uh, I was all set. My senior year, it was going to be a nice, easy schedule. And then we switched schools. And then my senior year became my hardest year. And they loaded all the stuff on. And it was crazy. But we moved to this new school. And I'm just getting to know everybody. It's a small Christian school, about 20, 30 minutes from where we lived. And I got in the school and they said, did you hear about this girl about a year ago that used to come to the school? And I said, no, I, I didn't know anything about her. They said, oh, well, we figured you'd heard about her. Said last year, and she was about the same age that I was, I never met her. But they said last year she attended this school. And they said one day after school, she was 16 years old, but one day after school, she went out to the parking lot and she was riding home with her sister. This girl was 16, her sister was a senior, she was 18, and they were getting ready to drive home and go home after a day of school. So the, the sister that was driving, she went and got in the driver's seat and her sister was coming around the car and she never got in the car. Her sister thought, well, she's probably just goofing off, she's probably just teasing, being silly. So she got out of the car and she went around the other side and she looked and her sister was lying on the ground there in the parking lot. And that very moment had collapsed and that very moment had entered eternity. This was a girl that didn't have health problems. This was a girl that didn't have a history. This was a girl that they knew, they didn't know of anything wrong. And yet this was a girl who was saved. This was a girl who was living for God. This was a girl who had a great testimony. But at 16 years old, she met her appointment. Because the Bible says that we all have an appointment. James chapter four, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says about our life, it says that your life is as a vapor. You say, well, what is a vapor? Well, a vapor would be like the steam that you would see coming off of hot water or maybe like the fog that would be uh, out in the, in, in the, in the uh, fields in the morning. But the, the, the vapor, the Bible says, it appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. I brought something here to help us to illustrate it. This technically is not a vapor. This is a mist, but in this spray bottle, I've got water. And you know, sometimes we think we're gonna live forever and sometimes we think that these things cannot happen to us. But here's what the Bible says our life is like. It's so quick. It's so fleeting. And I remember when I was a teenager, it's hard to believe that's been many years ago now. I'll be 40 years old next year. And for some of you, you think that's young and thank you for thinking that. But for these teens, they don't think 40 is young. These teens think 40 is ancient. You say, how do you know? Thank you for that, amen. Was that Daniel? That was Caleb, oh my. I tell you what, pretty soon it's gonna be Grandpa Caleb, you know, pretty soon. We're gonna have to be wheeling him around. But I remember as a teenager, I remember when I thought 40, people would say over the hill, and I was like, yeah, pretty much. 40 just sounded so old, can I tell you? 40 is actually pretty young. Matter of fact, 50 sounds pretty good. 60 doesn't seem old anymore. You know, it's amazing, but how fast life goes. And every one of us in this room, we have an appointment. We have an appointment with death. We have an appointment when our life on this earth will be over. And compared to eternity, our life is just for a moment. It's really just like a second compared to eternity. Number one, I see in this passage that we have an appointment. But secondly, I want you to know we have an accountability. 
Notice what it says in verse 27. It says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, what's coming? It says, after this, the what? The judgment. Now, hang on. This world system, this world philosophy would love for us to believe that life, you can live however you want because once you die, you're gone and nothing else matters. That's what the world would like for you to believe. That's what Satan would like for you to believe. He'd like for you to believe that your life doesn't really matter and just live it however you want because when you're dead, you're dead. When it's over, it's over. But we know what the Bible says. And the Bible says that once you die, life's not over. That's when eternity actually begins. But what we do with our life will determine where we spend eternity. Now, I'm not talking about a works salvation and you don't get to heaven because you're a good person. You get to heaven because in your life, you place your faith and trust in Jesus. And I'm talking to some teens here and maybe even some adults, but if you've never made that decision, you're not on the right course. You're not, you haven't even started living. You haven't even started the path that God has for you until you get saved. Because the Bible says that we have an, we have an appointment, but secondly, we're accountable. The Bible tells us that when we die, we will stand before one of two judgments. For people that are saved, people that know Christ, they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I wanna tell you this, I'm not, I'm not overjoyed with the judgment seat because I'm afraid that there's probably some things I wish I had done more. I wish I had served God more. I wish that my motives had been better. And at the judgment seat, that will be revealed. Now, I'm thankful that at the judgment seat of Christ, it's not a place of punishment, it's a place of reward. The Bible tells us that at the judgment seat, we will receive crowns. It's like this. When I used to play basketball back in the day and we'd go to tournaments, and after the tournament was over, we would have an award ceremony. Now, at the award ceremony, nobody got in trouble. I mean, nobody was like banished, you know, and nobody was kicked out. But when you went to the award ceremony, you didn't get a trophy if you didn't win. You didn't get a trophy if you didn't do well. And when we stand before the judgment seat, we'll be so thankful we're there because we're going to heaven. And we'll be thankful that we have eternal life forever and ever with Jesus. But when we stand before the judgment seat, I don't want to have regrets and say, wow, why didn't I live for God? Why didn't I give my teen years to God? And why didn't I give my adult years to God? And why didn't I stay faithful to church? And man, why didn't I pray for my pastor? Why didn't I encourage my pastor? Why didn't I give? Why didn't I serve? Why didn't I encourage the next generation? I want to stand before the judgment seat and know that I've done my best. Amen. I want to stand before that judgment seat and we'll talk about this on uh, tomorrow afternoon, but I want to stand before the judgment seat and hear those words, well done. That's how you finish your course. So you hear well done. But the Bible says for the Christians, we'll stand before the judgment seat. For the unsaved, the Bible says that they will stand before a great white throne judgment. Now that's a judgment you don't want to be at. Because if you're at the great white throne judgment, it's already determined where you're spending eternity. Because the Bible says that whoever's name is not recorded in the book of life, they are cast into a lake of fire. You see, that's the accountability. 
For people that do not trust Jesus Christ as Savior, they will give an account of their life before God. And they'll give an account for why they did not accept the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, young people and adults here this evening, there is an appointment. We all have an appointment with death. It's coming. I hope I live to be 80 or 90 years old. I hope I have health. I hope I have strength. We had, we had a man that lived to be in our church, lived to be 104. When he was 103, this was a couple years ago, I sat down in his living room. He was still at home, 103. I sat down in his living room. His hearing was bad, but his mind was sharp. He was telling me a story about how he was engaged to be married. Now get this. He was engaged to be married before the stock market crash in 1929. And because of that crash and because of the Great Depression, he wasn't able to get married. He had to put it off and several years later, finally. But he's telling me like it was yesterday. I've done, I did his funeral, 104 when he passed. But I've also done some funerals for some children. I've also done some funerals for some young people. And can I tell you, we all will stand before God. We all have an appointment. Number two, we're all accountable to God. We'll all give an account. It's like, don't you wish in school, don't you wish that when the teacher gave you like information, don't you wish there were no tests over the information? That's my kind of way of going to school right there. It's like, get what you want and what you don't want, no big deal. But my teachers in school, they had these things called tests and exams and projects, and then, God forbid, they sent report cards home. Oh, my. And, and all of the young people here say, we need to ban report cards. I mean, that's just like, I mean, that's just awful. But you know what that is? It's accountability. You take the class, but you gotta take the test. You get the information, but then you're responsible, you're accountable for what you've been taught. And the Bible says, too much is given much is also required. Number one, I see there's an appointment. Number two, I see an accountability. But number three, and I saved the best for last, and I'll be done. I've only got three points tonight, and we're gonna, we're gonna go. Uh, I, I hear there's, there's some snacks. I'm hearing about refreshments tonight, and this is a Baptist church, right? And I know Baptist churches in the South, we love to eat. Do you like to eat up north too? All right, okay, just checking. And um, so we're going to hurry. Got three points. Here's my third one. Are you ready? You doing good? Now, don't tell me. Please don't tell me. We've got any baseball fans around here. There's no way you've got baseball fans up here in New England, right? Some of you are thinking, sweep, aren't you? And don't act like you're so spiritual you don't even know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Unless you're a Yankee fan, you're praying for a, a miracle the other way. But anyway... Yeah, I, I probably shouldn't have said that word in this pulpit. Is that okay to say the, the why Yankees word? Okay, all right, here we go. Number one, we have an appointment. Number two, we have an accountability. But number three, there's an answer. There is an answer for life. There is an answer for our appointment. There's an answer for the accountability. And it's found in verse number 28. I am so glad that Hebrews 9 does not end with verse 27. Because verse 27 is pretty scary. It's pretty sobering to think that we have an appointment with death and we're going to stand before a judgment and we're going to give an account. But verse 28 says, so Christ, hallelujah, 
Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. There is so much in this verse, I'm telling you, we could do a series. But for sake of time tonight, I want to tell you, there's two things that I see in this verse that jump off the page at me. Number one, Jesus died on a cross to pay for our sins. But secondly, he's coming back to get us. And let me tell you, that encourages me. It's encouraging to know that, yes, we have an appointment with death. And yes, there's an accountability. But the answer is found in verse 28. The answer is Jesus. Jesus is the answer for your appointment. You're not ready for your appointment until you've met Jesus. You're not ready for your meeting with death until you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're not ready to give an account until you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, until you've surrendered all to him. In 1981, 1981, I was two years old. 1981, there was a man by the name of Carl. Carl was completely consumed with photography, and he especially loved photographing wildlife. Carl made a trip to Alaska, and after being in Alaska, he said, I got to go back. So he lined up to go to Alaska. He had a pilot drop him off on a lake in a very remote region. He was about 225 miles from Fairbanks, out in the middle of nowhere. But that's what he wanted. He wanted the best spot to catch wildlife and to photograph them. And he was, he was as happy as could be. The pilot dropped him off in March. He took supplies. He took, you're going to love this, he took hundreds and hundreds of rolls of film. Remember that? Remember those rolls of film? Oh, I'm telling you. I was, I was talking to some teens the other day and I was telling them about Polaroids. You remember Polaroids? But here's what was great. I said, how many of you have ever heard of Polaroids? And all the teens raised their hand. This was out in Seattle, Washington. I said, you've got to be kidding me. And one of the adults in the back says, they came back in. And apparently Polaroid has made a comeback. After the service, one of the teen girls came up to me. She said, Pastor, she said, do you want to see my Polaroid? And she had a Polaroid camera. I mean, like, it was just bought, like, two months ago or whatever. And I mean, so it's back. I hope the rolls of film don't come back, let me tell you. But anyway, Carl took film. He took several hundred pounds of, of, of food and supplies. He took a gun. He took ammunition. He was going to be in the wild by himself for five months. Wow. Carl McCunn kept a very detailed journal of his trip, but something very, very tragic happened to Carl. August came, and he was expecting the pilot that was coming back to get him. He was expecting the pilot, and the pilot didn't show. He thought, well, maybe there was a misunderstanding, or maybe he's running behind, or maybe there was some problems, but he said, I know he's coming. November came, and it was getting cold. He had no communication. There was nobody there, and Carl McCann recorded in his journal, and I, I kid you not, these are his words. He said, I think I should have done a better job in preparing for my departure. Thanksgiving came. Nobody was there. He was out of ammo. He was out of food. He recorded in his journal that he was starting to have dizzy spells and, and chills from starvation and from the cold and, and being left in the wilderness with no hope in sight. They found his body 
that next February. And of course, he had died and he had been frozen, but they found that journal. And as they read through that journal, the heartache and the heartbreak for his family when he wrote, he said, I think I should have done a better job in preparing for my departure. He had planned everything. He took the film, he took the food, he took the ammo, he had the spot all picked out where he was gonna get all these beautiful pictures for his collection and for his business. But he forgot the most important thing. He forgot to prepare for his departure. And young people, I wanna tell you, there's a whole lot in life that can get your attention. But what a tragedy it would be if some teens from Harvest Baptist Church went to church, went to youth rallies, brought their Bible, went to Sunday school, went to teen camp, did all those great things, but they did not make preparation for their departure from this earth. Can I tell you the only way that you're gonna get out of this earth to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You don't go to heaven because you're a good teen, although you've got some wonderful teens here. You don't go to heaven because you're a church member, although, Pastor, you've got some wonderful church members that'll come out on a Friday night. You don't get to heaven because you're a pastor. You get to heaven because you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And tonight, if we're gonna even consider finishing our course, we've gotta make sure we know Jesus. We've gotta make sure that we're saved. You say, well, well Pastor, I think I'm saved or I kind of hope I'm saved or what would everybody think if I said I wasn't saved? I'll tell you what everybody would think here. We would think, praise the Lord, you got it settled tonight. You see, we have an appointment. We have an accountability, but God has given us the answer and the answer is Jesus Christ. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we're gonna close in prayer. I want you to think about this scripture and I want you to think about these truths tonight. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you just a couple questions. One, I want to ask you this question, and you don't have to raise your hand yet. I want you just to think about it. But number one, I want to ask you, are you saved? When I say, are you saved, what I mean is, if we were to take the microphone around, and we won't do that, but if we were to ask you, say, tell us about when you got saved. You may not remember the date. You may not remember the exact year or the exact month or the exact day, but you ought to be able to tell us what happened when you got saved. You ought to be able to tell us something about it because salvation is not something you want to leave up to chance. Salvation is not something you want to guess on. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think I, no, 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 you, you want to know. And the Bible tells us that you can know for sure that you have eternal life. But here's my question is, are you saved? My second question is, if you have been saved, if you do know Jesus Christ as your Savior, are you surrendered? Are you living for him? You see, I think so many times we, we get so wrapped up with all the other things in life, but I want to tell you the answer for heaven is Jesus, but the answer for living on this earth is also Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to show you the way to live. He wants to give you peace and joy. He wants to give you happiness. He wants to give you satisfaction. He wants to give you purpose. So now here's my question that I want to ask, and I'm going to ask you to respond with a raise of hands, with heads bowed, eyes closed. How many say, Pastor, I'm here tonight on this Friday night, whether you're a teen or you're an adult, but you say, I know for sure. I'm ready for my appointment. 
I'm ready. If I were to die tonight, I'm ready because I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. Would you raise your hand if you say, I can say that for sure, Pastor. I know that I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. God bless you. You can put your hands down. That's wonderful, wonderful sight. A few could not raise their hand. And by the way, I'm, I'm just so thankful that you would be honest with yourself and honest with God and honest with me. You can't get help until you first admit there's a problem. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your savior, that's a problem. Because you don't know when death is gonna come knocking on your door. You don't know when your appointment is. The Bible says it's appointed unto men, but you and I don't know that appointment. Only God knows that. So if you do not know Jesus Christ as your savior, we want to give you an opportunity tonight to get that settled, to place your faith and trust in Jesus. We're not asking you to join the church. We're not ask, asking you to give a speech. We're not asking you to do anything weird. We're just asking you to be willing to say, I'm not saved, I'm not going to heaven, but I'm willing to trust Jesus to take me to heaven. With every head bowed, every eye closed, and I'll ask Pastor Caleb to look, and Pastor Shot, or whoever needs to, maybe uh, Jen, I want us to help you. But if you do not know for sure that you're going to heaven, here's what I'd ask you to do tonight. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you and I want to help you know that for sure tonight. Would you raise your hand? If you say, Pastor Jeremy, you're talking to me right now. I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven or not, but I'd like to be sure. Anybody like that at all? All right, here's my last question. With heads bowed, eyes closed, I wonder how many of our teens and how many of our adults tonight would say, you know, God spoke to me tonight. I want to be surrendered. I want to be willing to live my life for Jesus. I want to make my life count for him. And I don't want my life to be a waste. I want my life to have purpose. And God spoke to me tonight. And Pastor Jeremy, would you please pray for me? I want to be surrendered to whatever God has for me. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Say, I want to be surrendered. I want to let God have control of my life and use me. Thank you, God bless you. God bless you, put your hands down, thank you. God bless you. Here's what we're gonna do. Our sister's playing on the piano with every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's stand together all over the auditorium. And would you take a moment, maybe find a place here at this altar, maybe on one of these front pews or maybe right there where you're uh, standing. Maybe if you just make that little area, a little altar, and if you just would kneel and pray, let's talk to God. Let's tell God, God, you spoke to me about this area and here's what I'm willing to do. God, I've maybe not been surrendered to you. Maybe I've been focused on a lot of other things. Maybe I've not really thought about getting right with God. But I'm gonna get right with God tonight. If God's spoken to your heart, some have come, some are kneeling right where they're seated. God bless you. If you don't know for sure you're saved, if you'll come up front, if you'll find, get me or Pastor Caleb or Pastor Shot, we'll have somebody take a Bible. We'll show you how you can know for sure. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. And I promise you, it's a decision you'll never regret. Saying yes to salvation. Saying yes to Jesus Christ. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you still need to come. Maybe God's speaking to you. Would you say yes to whatever God's told you tonight?